So inside of the Roar curriculum, let me just first uh, back up and say perhaps that you have read something online, seen something online, heard of something from another church. Uh, there was some controversy over the course of the past month about uh, the aspect of the Roar curriculum and some of the things that were contained therein. And I just want to say again, uh, inside of the behind-the-scenes work for Angie, for uh, people on our staff, for, for those that taught, uh, to spend some time looking into that to make the necessary modifications to kind of prepare as best as we could uh, in a way that we felt honored God with a curriculum that uh, moved in the right direction but just came under fire for a few specific things. And uh, we felt good, we felt comfortable, we felt prepared heading into that. Uh, but want you to know that we didn't uh, miss that or overlook that, but that was something that was part of our planning and preparation uh, that we uh, felt uh, good about moving forward with that, with all the preparation that had been made and with uh, the lion's share of the curriculum that was really uh, good and moving in the right direction, but just required some uh, editing, some oversight, just some pre-reading just to be prepared for the week. So uh, let me just remind you of five statements. Kids, you can help me with this this week. Uh, your part's actually the same. My part's different, so I might look down, but you don't have to. When life is unfair. All right, when life is unfair, God is good. When life is scary. When life changes, when life is sad, and when life is good. So today we're going to talk about the fact that God is good, all right? And so you're saying, why do we need to talk about that? We've already said it 18 times. We can just go home, get out, get out a little bit early, beat all the other churches out to the diner. We'll be good to go. <laughs> but just a couple of moments. One of the key attributes of God is his goodness. Uh, that he is good, uh, we normally don't think about it because it seems like one of those no-brainer type words. Uh, of course God is good. He's not bad, right, which is the opposite of good. So we would expect the fact that God is good. It's a fuzzy word. It's a very general word. You use it not in negative ways, but normally just okay ways. And so if you come home and somebody says, how was your day, and you say it was good, it's not really great, but it's not bad. Growing up, one of the stories I heard, my grandfather died when I was uh, six years old, but one of the stories they said was that he would love to call me up, because I think I had a little bit of a lisp or a stutter, you know, growing up, and uh, he would say, how you doing, Mikey? Uh, again, I don't, you know, the Mikey part you can forget about inside of the story, but uh, he would call up just to hear, you know, Mikey, how you doing? Because I would say, dude, no G, just another D in there, dude, and so you, when you don't have a good answer to the question, how was your day, how's it going, you would just say, good. Now, if you remember you for a second, just do it in like six-year-old Mike Bill voice, and let's, let's put a D in there. So if I were to say, how are you doing today, you would say, good, right? It's just one of those words that's not hugely descriptive. And so to say that God is good seems like, well, yeah, but can't you come up with a better word? How about God is awesome, God is holy, God is magnificent? And all these other words that are true, but one of the foundations of our faith is that God is good. And so all week we've been talking about uh, the book of Exodus and Moses. And Moses, as he's leading people out of bondage and into a new land towards the end of the book. We didn't talk about this this week. But towards the end of the book, Moses has kind of a crisis of identity. He doesn't know if he can really do what God has called him to do. He doesn't know if he's really up to the task. And so he comes before God and he says, Lord, I don't know, these, by the way, are your people. They're your people. I don't know that I can do this. You've told me that you're going to lead me, but I don't know if you're really there or not. 
And we come to these words in Exodus chapter 33, beginning with verse number 14. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, Lord, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. And there's situations and circumstances inside of our lives that we say, God, if if you're doing this, that's fine. But if you don't go with me and go before me, I don't want to go. As a church leader, I feel like sometimes we can put our best plans on paper. We could say we feel like this is where we feel like God is moving us. But Lord, if you don't go with us and before us, we don't want to go. We want your leadership inside of our lives. And so Moses says, Lord, if you don't lead us, I don't want to go anywhere else. Verse number 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said to him, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And so Moses says, all right, you know, you've promised to go with me. You've promised to go before me. Would you just show me your glory? Show me your glory. Show me your magnificence. Show me a sign. Show me a wonder. Show me something that's going to make me realize you're with me and I can do this. And I find it interesting that God's answer is, not I'm going to send an earthquake or a thunderbolt or a large fire, but he says, I'll have my goodness pass in front of you. I didn't ask for your goodness, I asked for your glory. But he says, the best thing that I can show you about myself is my goodness. And so he, told, he calls Moses to prepare and actually tells him to go and hide in, in the cleft of a rock. Because the brilliance of who God is, no man could look on face to face. And he says, hide in the rock, and when my glory passes by you, hide your face, but at the very end you can look, and you're going to see who I am. The next chapter over in chapter 34, verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and stood there with him, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebelliousness, and sin. This is who I am. You're asking for a sign or for a miracle or for a wonder, but if you want me to show you my glory, this is what it looks like, that I am forgiving and compassionate slow to anger, willing to turn aside from your wickedness. That even though I'm more powerful and I'm the Almighty, the way in which I want to reveal myself, you want to see my glory, Moses, it's found in my goodness. Now, there was a movie that's come out of several different iterations of the movie, but uh, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe that was written by C.S. Lewis. And, And in there, there are these four kids, and they're in the land of Narnia, and they've been heard that Aslan, the great king, is coming. And Aslan, the great king, is going to save them. And, and they're thinking it's a valiant king or a warrior. And it's in a conversation there that they learn that Aslan is really a lion. And they said, we didn't expect him to be a lion. We expected him to be a man. Is he safe? Can we be in the presence of a lion? And the answer is, no, he's not safe. 
but he's good. He's not necessarily safe. He's, he's the, the Lord Almighty. He's the king. But what we can tell you is that he's good. And so all week we've thought about uh, the goodness of God. But I want to just remind you of a couple of things that are theologically true before we highlight just those five statements one more time. The foundation of our faith this morning is the goodness of God. The foundation of our faith is the goodness of God. We even know what good is because of who God is. The gods of the ancient world were not good. Powerful, maybe. Getting what they want, maybe. Manipulating and, avail and able to be manipulated, sure. But you would not call the gods of the ancient world good. But when Yahweh step, you know, is, is personified and written about inside of, of history, one of the facts that we know throughout Scripture is that he's one who is good. He's true. He's consistent. He is whole without need for anything or anyone else to complete him. He's trustworthy and he stands outside of time and yet at the same time is involved inside the particulars of time. The foundation of our faith is the idea that God is good. The second thing I think we need to be reminded of is that the goodness of God is written into the fabric of creation in the world that he's made. And so when you read Genesis 1 and you know, the sun and the moon and the skies and, and the stars and the animals and the plants. At the end of every day, the word is, and it was good. You could even use dud there if you wanted to refer back to the, the joke from before, but that's all right. Uh, that inside of every day, God was good. And even when you come to the fall in Genesis chapter 3, what is it? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so written into the fabric of creation is this idea that God is good and he's even written that into the fabric of the world in which we live. And so you read verses like, taste and see that the Lord is good, that the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, that there's goodness in his house, that he satisfies with goodness, instructions to praise the Lord for he is good. Last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, one of the things he produces in addition to love and joy and peace and patience and kindness is goodness, that we can reflect his character in the world. And so the foundation of our faith is the goodness of God. It's written into the fabric of creation. And finally, it's an active part of your life and my life. His love, his forgiveness, his tenderness, his care, his nearness, his pursuit of me. He's good. Conditions change inside of my life, but God is good. God is steady. And so one more time, I just want to remind us of the five statements that we talked about this week. Because I think they're not just important for kids to learn, but for adults to be reminded of over and over again. When life is unfair, God is good. Life is not always fair. It doesn't always go the way that we want it to. It doesn't always turn out our way. Conditions change. Things change. Sometimes it doesn't work out in our... We've done all the right things, and we've gotten blamed for something. Or things haven't turned out the way we expected, but when life is unfair, God is good. When life is scary, and whether that's the scariness of a dark night or of a test result that you're waiting for or some, some new season of life that you're going through, when there are the scary times of life, whether you are 5 or 85, inside of that scariness, God is still good, and he's close inside of those moments. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. When life changes, and the one thing we can be certain of 
is change. Things are always moving. Things are always in flux. When you get things to the point where you feel like, I wish it could just stay like this, it's not going to. But in the midst of that, the one thing that is sure, that is steady, that is unmoving, that is unmovable, is the goodness of God. When life is sad, God is good. Scripture says he's close to the brokenhearted. That side of moments of pain, he wants to be near. And you know, maybe the toughest one of all is that when life is good, God is good. Because we live in a world maybe a 1,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago, each day you would not know what the weather was going to be the next day, where your food was going to come from the next day, where your protection was going to come from the next day. And now we live in a world that there are pretty much natural explanations for everything that happens. And so when life is good, we are busy, we are moving full speed, everything's going well, everything's running smoothly. And we have the tendency to think it's all because of us, my intellect, my pro proactiveness, the things that I have done, the things that I'm doing. And we're running along and life is good and we forget about the fact that God is there and God's been the one all along who has provided and walked alongside of us and is making it possible. You know, sometimes it's easier to be reminded of the presence of God inside of your life when you're going through something that's unfair or scary or changing or sad. But sometimes when life is good, we don't always recognize him. And so inside of all these things, we're reminded of the goodness of God. Now, I came across the song this week that I think is a perfect close to our service. We've already sung four songs that are perfectly designed for this. Uh, and so as, as Rachel and Maddie come to kind of close out our service for us, I just want to invite you to join me just for a brief moment of prayer. Father, we thank you that you indeed are good, that your love endures forever, that your faithfulness extends across the skies, that regardless of what the circumstances of our lives are today, whether they are good or scary or uncertain or changing, regardless of our situations, you are near, you are with us, and you are good. Would you remind us today of something that we take for granted because it seems so simple, that you're a God who is good. We thank you for a week of VBS that reminds us of that. We pray that you would help us to take that with us today even as we go from here. We ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen.